0: Around Comics, Episode 7.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Around Comics, where every week we assemble a new panel to discuss topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neisman, and let me introduce you to this week's panel, On your iPod from left to right As always, he is my partner in crime And the producer of the show He is Brian Salazar
0: Hello everyone
1: And for our next guest Whenever we last saw him He had fallen into a pit of molten lava At the end of episode one Now he's back to continue his plan for world domination The manager of Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles Mr. Mark Beatty How you doing? (laughs) Excellent, welcome to the show Mark
2: Thanks for having me back.
1: Absolutely. Uh, this week, we are continuing our four-week look into the world of comics. Last week, we talked about the state of the DCU, and this week, we are moving things over to the House of Ideas. So right, we're talking about Marvel Comics. Uh, Today we're going to take a look at some of the important storylines and characters that are shaping the mainstream Marvel Universe. Uh, Now I will warn the listeners that that this will be a show with plenty of spoilers as we're going to try and unravel Marvel continuity. Uh, I'd like to start with what I believe is the beginning of the the current Marvel uh, state of affairs and that is Disassembled and in particular Avengers Disassembled. Um, Sal, why don't you go ahead and start us off and give us a a quick synopsis of what happened in Avengers Disassembled.
0: Uh, Avengers Disassembled is basically the story of um, the worst day in Avengers history. It uh, starts off with Jack of Hearts exploding, uh, killing Ant-Man, then the Vision crashes a Quinjet into the Avengers mansion, Uh, then they're attacked by Ultron robots, um, and the She-Hulk goes nuts tearing the vision in half. A uh, bunch of other people are wasted, I think, and then finally Hawkeye gets blown up um, while destroying a Kree warship. It, in the end, it's uh, it's all revealed that it was the Scarlet Witch who was behind these seemingly random attacks. Uh, she's uh, been driven insane by the loss of her children years earlier, which are really just magical constructs um, that she had created with her subconscious or something, um, and then, uh, she eventually is defeated by Doctor Strange, who kind of comes in to save the day, and then immediately following that, Magneto, her father, uh, swoops in and and takes her off, and everyone stands around going, oh, okay, and that, uh, that led into, um, I think it was Avengers Aftermath or something, uh, but uh, but that was basically the, the 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 plot of Disassembled. And at the end,
1: uh, Magneto takes Wanda to Genosha to try and get Professor X to to see if he can uh, help get her sanity back. And uh, and basically, Tony Stark says that he can't afford to keep the Avengers afloat anymore, and the Avengers disassemble, basically, and that uh, uh, leads us off into several other storylines, but there there was one book that kind of came out of the ashes of New Avengers that, well, it's not, or out of Assembled, which is not r- really important to mainstream continuity, and that is New Avengers, and I know that, uh, Mark, you've been reading New Avengers. You mean uh, Young uh, Avengers? Or New Avengers, Young Avengers, <laughs> too many I'm reading both Avengers, of them, So, <laughs> oh, give us give us a
2: look at Young Avengers.
1: Give us a look at Young
2: Avengers. See, they, you, it's uh, basically a group of youngsters who see what happened to the Avengers and see if the Avengers are disassembled. There's no no heroes out there, so they come together to try to kind of take their place. Um, basically, a Marvel version of the Teen Titans. Um, there's a version of uh, there's actually a version of Hawkeye it's a female there's a uh, Ant-Man's daughter who basically turns into giant girl she can shrink and, and change her size go to a giant, go to an ant-sized character um, there's a Captain America-ish Bucky-ish kind of character uh, Kid Hulk, Kid Thor uh, is, it, I, I actually like the book I think it was it's been done pretty well it's getting very interesting right now but that's and a, there, was a the iron,
0: there was Iron Lad also. That oh,
2: Iron Lad too, yeah, which... which Turned out to be... Turned out to be a young, young version of Kang, which was very interesting. I thought it was kind of cool.
0: With Vision armor or something no, like that. No, the
2: Vision is what brought them all together, actually. It was like the Vision's, like... Uh, Operating protocol. system. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very
1: fun series, and like I said, it's it's not really crucial to mainstream continuity, but it is really nice that it came out of the the ashes of Avengers Disassembled. And if you haven't read it, pick it up. It is a, it is a very fun read, especially if you're like a Teen Titans fan. Um, Moving on from Young Avengers, uh, somewhere, I think, starting before Avengers disassembled, they don't give you an exact start date, but I think kind of the the next important storyline that happens in the Marvel U is Secret War. And uh, besides being insanely late for each issue, which I, I think caused a lot of problems with, not continuity, but the, the timeline with everything, the, the basic storyline for Secret War was... Nick Fury goes behind the backs of his superiors to uh, form a group of superheroes. Attack a, uh, a country that wet is barrier. funding. Ter- uh, wet variant that is funding terrorists. They go. They basically wage a secret war on this country, you fast forward a year into the future, and these terrorists come back to seek revenge, and to not give away a ton of the story, basically what Secret War boiled down to was that Nick Fury basically had to go underground and basically run away from S.H.I.E.L.D. and his position as the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Would you guys say that's a pretty, pretty fair synopsis of that series?
0: Yeah, you know, it was it was hard to, to sort of keep with that because it was so um, spread out, uh, and also, you know, it was also retold sort of in The Pulse, and also in New Avengers from different perspectives, to some degree. Um, it all kind of led into Luke Cage being in a coma um, in New York, you know, afterwards, and, and you kept seeing the same scenes in The Pulse and, and in, uh, in New Avengers. So it was, it was a little hard to figure out what that whole storyline was or what it was going to lead to. And I don't know if they've, at this point, sort of changed all that. And you still haven't really seen any sort of resolution from that storyline. But, yeah, I mean, basically Nick Fury's in hiding and, uh, and the Latvian government is not happy.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll come back actually to Nick Fury in a second. But since uh, Mark is a manager of a comic store, I wanted to talk about Secret War and how Marvel is releasing their books in in a timely or untimely fashion, and how that in the view of the fan is kind of screwing with continuity. Mark, I know that Secret War was a real headache for you guys in mm-hmm. in the local comic shop arena. You want to elaborate on on your experience with that?
2: Um. It it was just frustrating how late that book was overall. It was supposed to be, what, a quarterly book to begin with,
1: Mm -hmm. and it
2: couldn't even keep up with that schedule. It ended up being, what, six or eight months late total, I think. And then that last issue was kind of a letdown, and the fact that it was just so late, uh, and the art was was repeated page over page. It was amazing. It was like we waited all this time for an issue that just kind of sucked. Well, it was Overall. beautifully repeated artwork. I no, really like the it painted is, style. But. It is beautifully repeated, but it, you can only see so many <laughs> pictures of Angela Jolie as, as the Black uh, Widow, anyways. Page yeah, after page. But, after but page. would you agree that but sales? Go ahead. But would you agree
1: that 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 storyline in particular kind of uh, really jumbled up the timeline of what Marvel was trying to do as a mainstream story through the oh, universe?
2: Definitely, it definitely did. Um, it, it just you got lost in that issue Nick Fury was still there uh, you end up finding out why he's he's gone the whole situation but in all the other books he's, he's already disappeared and there's a woman running S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, which you have no and no idea why which yeah, know, no other book wanted, touches on the subject.
1: I wanted to talk about Nick Fury here because as I see what Marvel has done in really the last two years they have Put Nick Fury as kind of the center cog in in the Marvel Universe as being a, a very central figure that that you know pulls strings on different superheroes, and he's kind of the guy that knows what's going on. Um, Sal, what do you see as as Nick Fury's um, place in the Marvel Universe right now?
0: Well, I think you know they're certainly trying to give him a bigger uh, piece of the pie, uh, and he's been. Touch touching a lot of different lives and a lot of different books and I think it almost seemed like it sort of um, stemmed from the Ultimate Universe because that Nick Fury was involved in everything and he you know had his fingers on everybody to some degree um, so it, it almost seems like they they took that concept from ult- the Ultimate Universe and try are trying to make this Nick Fury you know the, the 616 Nick Fury um... More like that, and and it makes sense. I think you know a, a character like that that would be head of the you know the world's largest security agency <clears throat> would certainly you know be tied to every major superhero or powered being in you know in the you know country, and and would have his his fingers on everything. So it, it's going to be interesting. It's interesting to see what they do with them uh, once know sort of this civil I, i'm assuming he's going to have a big part in civil war um and that's sort of where he's going to come back uh and 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 i'm sure he'll you know it, it'll be interesting to see what happens once that's all sort of played out and where his place will be sure, because I, I, um if you look at like mm-hmm. you know then i'm sure the next segment is going to be you know house of m you know, his character in that was more of a, you know, revolutionary, uh, almost a terrorist type character, so you might be seeing the same sort of, uh, of thing in Civil War, where he's now fighting against the government that he, uh, held, you know, upheld for so long.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's, probably where I would see him uh, on that side of the fence and wall and we'll get to civil war but one a couple of things I I love about Nick Fury in the Marvel universe is that number 1 if he shows up in any comic book it usually makes sense whether it's Punisher or Wolverine or Avengers or X-Men, because he does have that connection throughout the universe. So he's a a very convenient uh, middle point that you can connect just about any story with. But what I also like right now is that there's a certain amount of chaos in the universe, and I see that directly linked to the fact that Nick Fury is not the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think that Civil War is going to play on that. Uh, move on from uh, from Nick and we'll, we'll get to House, House of M in just a second, but just prior to House of M we leave disassembled and the new Avengers get formed and I um, wanted to have Mark talk a little bit about new Avengers and how he sees that new team coming together and how it's impacted, uh Marvel continuity can you
2: say it one more time the last part. I'm sorry about that. Oh, you to, to see out. how
1: New Avengers and that new team is affecting Marvel continuity as far as, you know, what characters are interacting with what other characters right now.
2: Um, the way you, the way New Avengers came together I, I thought was a little odd, because for one thing, Iron Man goes and says he can't afford the team, and then he... Brings the team back together, basically. It, it came, they came together kind of the original way that the original Avengers did. A uh, uh, you know, a big problem happens, a bunch of heroes coming together to uh, uh, help alleviate the problem. Uh, the prison break, basically, and that kind of forms the new Avengers. But then all of a sudden, Iron Man's got all kinds of money to put everybody up and put them in a nice new brand built, brand new building, and um, it it just seemed kind of hokey because he not even basically what a month ago he says he has no cash to do anything um so i thought the, the coming together was a little odd i mean the breakup and the coming together was a little odd but overall i have liked the book except for one storyline which i've i've told chris i, I hated the whole echo thing <laughs> uh, yeah, but overall i really was. <laughs> yeah, overall i i really like the series i mean it just keeps it That part ticked me off, but I kept reading, and now I'm really liking it. Um, As far as... How do you mean as far as it affects the rest of the universe? Well, what I see is that they are setting
1: up a lot of character um, friendships, i.e. Iron Man and Spider-Man. They've brought uh, Wolverine into the New Avengers and so there's a connection with the X-Men there and it just seems like New Avengers has become a platform that they're going to jump into Civil War so it it, it makes a a fairly easy way to have all of the titles
2: have a central connection okay I understand what you're saying but what's the the main part of the question Oh, just, just, just your thoughts on the book uh, I, I think they're doing it carefully. I think they are making alliances all over the place, and they've alluded to this Illuminati, this you know the, the what five or six guys that are kind of controlling everything um, in the background. So it does make sense to if they're doing kind of what DC has been doing. They're tying everything together now. Uh, all the heroes, all the different uh, people, making you know just picking sides basically for the upcoming uh, civil war which is still vague. Well, yes, which
1: is... Uh, we're, we'll we get to the, the road to Civil War, which uh, right now is, is what Marvel is leading up to. Um leaving uh, New Avengers, uh, the big event from last year was House of M and all of the House (coughs) of M tie-ins. Why I don't feel that the tie-ins were hugely important to uh, continuity, it was just kind of wrapped into that event, um, have Sal give us uh, just a a brief look at House of M and how that kind of changed what was going on in the universe.
0: Well, House of M was a... um I mean, it it was basically an alternate universe created by uh, the Scarlet Witch. Um, She has gone completely insane at this point. She has not been able to been helped by uh, Magneto or Professor X. And to try and deal with everything, she decides uh, to give basically the people she knows everything they want, and to change the entire universe to fit what they would most want, I guess, in the hopes of of that, then they would leave her alone, um, and she also, you know, ends up getting what you know what she wants the most of, is you know her children that that thing, and so uh, House of Them was this um, where a world where in the ni- in 19 I think it was like 1979 Magneto uh, was attacked by Sentinels uh, over Manhattan. Um, at the end of the attack, he had uh, revealed that there was um, this international uh, anti-mutant conspiracy involving Richard Nixon. Uh, the main result of that was that uh, he was he was given control of Genosha and was made the leader of the world's mutants. Um, this led to society changing radically um, where... Mutants were the um, oppressors, and non-mutants were a minority uh, who were dealing with uh, racism. Um, and it 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 branched off into m- almost every major book. Um, there were some exceptions, but but you know Captain America, Spider Man, and just about every book, uh, you know, really got. Um, that treatment, and it was, uh, in one way or another, they were involved in, in the, the, the House of M world for a short period of time. Um, at the end of the, at the end of that series, um, which it ran through, once again, I think it ran through the Pulse mostly, and then the the House of M main series, uh, the, there's a, a, Girl, I, and I can't remember her name off the top of my head. A young girl, Layla. Le- Layla. She she is able to make everyone remember um, how how everything was, and she starts with uh, the various heroes. And there's this small group of rebels that uh, uh, are fighting against the House of M, which is you know Magneto and this upper you know this uh, upper class mutant um, government body, basically uh and she's she starts getting all these other heroes to remember um to basically fight against Magneto and to, and to turn everything back and at the end Wanda ends up putting everything back sort of the way it was
1: except for three very important words
0: um th- right no more mutants and mm-hmm. uh, and that's uh, where we let we're led into uh, 198, X-Men 198, Decim- well, Decimation, that was the initial, I think there was a one-shot, Decimation, the aftermath of House of M, and then, uh, and then we were led into 198 and, and the other, uh, uh, Son of M, and, um, Generation M, I think is mm-hmm. the other title going on right now and yeah. the the world was reduced there were, there there were only there are now only one hundred and ninety eight mutants left in the world where it one you know before House of M before you know there were i don't know they never really said but there were at least hundreds of thousands um if not millions and and now there are one hundred and ninety eight uh some of some very popular and and you know noteworthy characters I know um iceman no longer has his powers and um Who else? Uh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. The
1: Blob was one of my favorites. Yeah,
0: yeah. There were some interesting um, scenes with different characters that had lost their powers.
1: Which you know, there there is a question about that because 198 was one of the titles, and I know that Mark is reading this now. 198 comes out, and I was under the impression that there were only 198 mutants left. Is that what it is, or is it 198 mutants that have gone to the mutant camp at Xavier's? I'm
2: unclear about that. It's the it's the 198 that have gone to Xavier's. Uh, from so what I understand, I thought it, I thought the same thing. I thought originally it was like there's only 198 of them left. It's like no, these are, these are the ones that are on the compound. Yeah, but basically, it, what it came
1: down to was that there was like one percent of the mutants left, and there were a couple million. So there's, you know, a hundred thousand of them or something
2: Right, running around that no one knows about.
1: Yeah, it's greatly reduced. But the the one and and uh, Sal, I I had the same the same deal where I thought, okay, there's only 198 mutants, which I think would have actually made it more interesting. <laughs>
3: AroundComics.com Your source for discussion, news, and reviews About your favorite comics and creators New podcasts available every Monday Go to www.aroundcomics.com
1: But uh, moving on from Decimation uh, I want to take a look at uh, Spider-Man The Other You know, the the mutants are over here They're doing their things But Spider-Man has kind of gone through his own deal So uh, Sal, I know that you've kind of kept up with The Other What's going on over there?
0: Well, I don't have a complete um, first-hand knowledge of that. I I did start to read that series, and then I I ended up um, stopping reading it. I'm actually waiting for the hardcover. I have that on order, so... But, basically, um, I think the other was was sort of uh, uh, two things they were trying to accomplish with that. One, uh, give Spidey a new suit, which they did, um, to... The chagrin and joy of fans everywhere, <laughs> and also uh, to strengthen the relationship between Peter Parker and Tony Stark, um, to lead into uh, um, civil Road war. To civil war. Basically, with the other, I, you know, Peter is sick. He has something wrong with him, and and, and it took about f- four or five issues of twelve to really ever tell you what it was, and and I won't. Spoil anything, but uh, there's something wrong with him. His body is changing. Um, he's he he ends up actually becoming a lot more powerful, but way he can't control it. He, he's having a hard time controlling it. Um, there's some new characters that are are presented in it and everything. Uh, and, and basically, at the end of it, uh, you know, like I said, Tony Stark designs a Iron Man like costume for him. So that he can control these uh, these new powers and abilities that he has, um, and and that's sort of where we're at with it now. So, where we have the the new spider armor, right? And uh, he can glide, and and has three metal arms coming out of his back, and all sorts. Well, of I think I, I think the biggest thing was that
1: that was really solidifying the Tony Stark Peter Parker relationship, and uh, I'll throw this over to Mark. This leads us into Illuminati and Civil War. Um, going to the the local comic shop aspect, how excited are you guys for Civil War coming up?
2: Uh, I'm really excited about it. It looks great. I saw the the preview in Wizard, the little, what, six or eight pager, and and anytime you can kill Speedball off, I'm a big <laughs> fan of that, because he's such a great character.
1: You just made a lot of enemies out there, sir.
2: I hope so. <laughs> Uh, no, it looks really good. I mean, the art looks fantastic. The story looks interesting. I, I like the whole idea of these, you know, 2 superpowered factions forming on, on either side of the, this argument. and um, it, it looks really interesting. It looks different than what they've done before, you know? It's not just the good guys versus the bad guys. It's... Good guys versus good guys.
1: And it sounds like, from what I'm hearing, there's going to be bad guys that are going to team up with some of the good guys.
2: Right. And anything that has uh, Mark Millar on it, I'm big on because Ultimates is quite possibly the best superhero book out there.
1: Well, that's another thing I was going to touch on, is that Mark Millar is the writer for Civil War. I, I think it's interesting that we may have come to an end of Brian Bendis writing the big events seems that he's doing very well on his books, but the the big events they said that you know Martin Moore might be the guy to
2: write these. I I completely agree. I can't see anybody else writing it. I'm I'm not a huge fan of Bendis. A couple of his books I think are fantastic. I think Powers is a great book, but a lot, a lot of his books just are, are just too damn wordy sometimes. Or
1: well, he he slow. seems to handle.
2: He seems to handle
1: the individual character extremely well. But whenever yeah. you get the huge groups of characters, it, it, there's, you know, Bendis is great at dialogue. Big events aren't normally dialogue-driven.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think, though, I mean, he was, he he, you know, he took on a huge amount of projects for the whole... You know, House of M and Decimation and 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 everything else, but he also did get kind of screwed by the whole street Secret War thing because I think that messed up the plan so bad. Uh, he you know he kind of had to he, he kind of had to fly by the pant you know seat of his pants uh, for some a few months trying to make things work that weren't initially part of the plan to some degree. When and
1: you're trying to create a huge mainstream continuity through a series of events and if a couple of those events get off a timeline it just screws it to hell and i can see how there was a lot of you know hair pulling at marvel
0: now with the illuminati that's basically um that is is supposed to be mr fantastic reed richards iron man tony stark namor uh black bolt Dr. Strange and Professor X, correct? They're the Illuminati and they're, I mean, basically the story is sort of, they've been meeting in secret for years and nobody's known about these, you know, these extremely powerful uh, people. I mean, they're not only, they're not only powerful, you know, individuals in, in the sense of, you know, superpowers. But in the world, I mean, you know, Tony Stark's a billionaire and, and Doctor Strange is, is you know, it, it seems like from each segment of, you know, of their world, they're, they're some of the most powerful beings out there uh, professionally as well as, you know, in, in the superhero, in the superhero land
1: sure each one of them is kind of the head or leader of a segment of, of that universe mm-hmm. know, Professor X is obviously the, the voice and the face of mutants on, on the
0: planet So there, so it's going to be interesting where they you know how that ties I know it's going to have a tie into planet Hulk because you, you saw that in the first issue of the Planet Hulk arc uh, that they uh, you know they were involved in that. Um, and you're going to see how that all sort of pans out. Now, is
1: Planet Hulk, is that going to wrap back around and become a part of Civil War?
0: I believe so, because, you know, I think, well, it's going to be, you know, a year from now when he finally, when that series ends, I'm assuming at some point he's coming back You know, here and he's not going to be happy. He is not going to be. I don't know why. (laughs) There's going to be some people that are are you know are going to be on his uh, his shit list, if you will. Well, I saw I saw a
1: preview, and there was actually a uh, news conference this last week, and another resurgence of a character is going to be Thor coming back, and or maybe not Thor, but Thor's hammer. (laughs) Thor's hammer is back.
0: But it looks like it might be in Dr. Doom's hands. Nice. Which could be interesting.
2: Absolutely. Since it it has to be somebody who's worthy of picking it up.
0: Well, I don't know. Yeah, you
2: can do a lot with magic. (laughs) Only so much when it's enchanted. I mean, literally, the only guy I've ever seen pick it up is Captain America.
0: Well, anything's but, possible in, well, Doom, in the Doom world. Does
2: of, have a,
1: you know, he has a lot of the mystic power, so maybe he figures a way out. That that'll be fine. I that that actually sounds interesting to me.
0: Well, I know they want to make that a huge part of the road to civil war, and 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 I know that that you know that's starting with fan, the Fantastic Four, and I know they want them to be a huge part of it as well because they're the you know the first family and all of Marvel. So I know um, you know that's sort of the beginning point. Of this whole Civil War thing, which I gotta say, you know, after after House of M and and Decimation and and the whole Son of M and and all that, I, you know, I am I am excited about Civil War. It does look like they're getting back on track and have things thought out a little better. And you know, I'm I'm excited about Civil War. But
1: I'm interested, in, and, and I don't think that we've talked about the actual divide, and that is that the the government basically says that. You can come to us, tell us who you are, and it's a, a superhero registration act. One of the things I think will be interesting is what side of the fence the mutants fall on, because the government's trying to regulate them for what twenty years in comics.
0: Yeah, I mean that's going to be the, you know, that's certainly going to be a huge part of the of the beginning of it is, you know, what what side are you on? You know, what side is Cap on? What side is Tony Stark on? And 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 I, you know, you th- you saw it in in uh, ama- uh was an Amazing Spider-Man with with Tony trying mm-hmm. to get um, you know, Peter Parker's loyalty basically mm-hmm. and and Before because he knows go to what's Washington coming to, up to do this. Yeah.
2: And from what I've heard, Spider-Man's supposed to be the he's like the the center linchpin for the whole thing. He he plays a huge part in the whole storyline. I mean, not just the fact that he's you know Iron Man's trying to get him on his side, but I guess his decision is like the main focal point. The the climax of Civil War is going to be when when Peter Parker makes his decision. Apparently so. That's one of the things I've heard. So I'm sure there's much more to it, but that would. Well, we look at at the Marvel U, and
1: we'll kind of go back over what we just talked about, is that the Avengers disassembled. They reassembled. Nick Fury isn't the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. There are drastically... Fewer mutants than there used to be. Um, Spider-Man is going to be a pivotal figure in what's going on, and Civil War is set to take place between the heroes. Is that a pretty fair assessment of where they are in you know the overall continuity right now? Yeah, I would that? say so.
0: Yeah. yeah, me too. I did want to mention one thing we we didn't we didn't touch on on, on uh, some of the other titles that are going on right now. Uh, you know, there's X-Men 198, but there's also um, Son of M, which I haven't been reading. But the one title I have been really enjoying is Generation M, written by Paul Jenkins. And it's, um, you know, it's going... It, it's stories about the mutants that have lost their powers. And it's it follows a, a, a writer, a journalist, telling these stories. And it's really well-written and interesting. And it really has nothing to do with the continuity or, you know, there's no huge events involved in it, um, it you know... It, other than it's taking place at the same time, it doesn't really have anything to do with the main storyline of this. But it's it's really well done, and if if um, you're not reading it, you you, you might want to take a look at it because I have been enjoying it a lot, and it's it's uh, it's just well written, well crafted stories.
2: I fully agree. Mark, I, I fully know agree. You, you said the same thing. Yeah, it's really good. It, it doesn't really have anything to do. It just it's the good and bad of, of certain people losing their powers. Um and she writes an article about what, the mutant diaries. Mm-hmm. And but this and there's somebody killing off um mutants or people that were mutants. Ex mutants, yeah. Ex mutants are killing them off it's, and he's contacted this uh reporter, he knows where she lives. So there's a there is a backstory to it, but it doesn't have all to do with the whole civil war and thing. And Paul Jenkins'
0: also- wife just or, you know just had a baby so he needs the money. <laughs> oh,
2: and he's such a good guy. Maybe you should finish Mythos X-Men.
0: Yeah, well, that's another one. Yeah, I'm waiting for that.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, well, I think that kind of takes a look at the Marvel uh, big mainstream topics. But I wanted to talk for a brief second on some of my favorite kind of like secondary titles that uh, are, are definitely a part of the Marvel U, but... Uh, uh, kind of get pushed off to the side through the through the major continuity and uh, I've got five of them written down here the ones that I'm really liking are Captain America Wolverine Punisher runaways and then one that's outside of the u but that's that's powers as uh, under the icon imprint which is still done by Marvel uh, mark you are a huge captain America fan um, how do you uh, how do you like Captain America right now
2: it's terrible it's the worst I've ever read it <laughs> It's quite possibly the best Captain America story that I've ever read. I, I don't think I've seen anybody handle Captain America this well before. Um, I mean, the last time I was this interested in Captain America, I mean, the stories, was when, you know, Roger Stern and John Byrne were doing it. Uh, they did a short spurt that had, you know, Baron Blood, where Captain America decapitated Baron Blood. I mean, there were great stories, uh, great art, and everything else, but, and this is just fantastic. Uh, now, and maybe the only you, guy can who doesn't have a problem with Bucky coming back from the dead, yeah. Uh,
1: Except uh, that now, he's in
2: Wolverine now. Oh, oh, some people
1: want all of their books to fall into continuity, and then there are other people that say, "Well, I want the mainstream books to fall into continuity, but I want the solo title to have their own, t- you know, their own their own stories." Do you want Captain
2: America to get wrapped into the Civil War story? Yeah, I'm I'm fine with. It. I like that. I like the books. Otherwise you're when are you reading this? When did this happen? I, I don't like that. I like to have some kind of continuity running through all the titles. It drives me crazy otherwise. And yeah, I'm
0: completely to, opposite. I would hate for I would hate for the Captain America book to get ruined by having to conform to this whole Civil War thing. I don't have a problem with it being I'm not outside saying of
2: it. Form. Well look I'm at look at
0: you know I mean look at the House of M titles and how you know you had the House of M cap which was just a th- kind of a throw in on a great story arc had nothing to do with it and it was taken completely out of you know context but they just sort of had to do it because it had to be tied into House of M I don't want you know Ed Brubaker to have to you know sit here and it's too hard to do it, in my opinion it's too difficult to do for any length of time where You're trying to get all these writers to link into the same storyline and either A, you know, make it completely, you know, sort of blasé, or B, make it so that it's just, you know, you saw it with Secret Wars 2, you know, it was like you had all these titles with the, you know, Secret Wars 2 logo on the cover but really you might have three panels in the book that mention something about Secret Wars 2 and, and really had nothing to do with it whatsoever.
2: Or you'd see the beyonder the background buying like a loaf of bread or something.
0: <laughs> exactly, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, and I, I just would hate for something so good as this you know, to get screwed up because they have to try and conform it to... I, it, I mean, it can be done and it can be done well and I think certainly a guy like Ed Rubicker has the ability to do that. But I don't know that everybody does, and I'd hate to see stuff get really screwed up. You know, I think the you know like I think they're doing it in some ways. I mean, Planet Hulk's a one way of doing it. You know, they're going to have a year of storylines that have nothing to do with Civil War, but at, you know, in the beginning of the they're going to you know kind of book bookend it with with Civil War, you know with the whole Civil War and the Illuminati. Yeah, but, thing. but Cap is going to be a central figure in Civil War. He is, but- and, and I understand, but. I don't know. I just don't care about continuity all that much. I mean, outside of the main title. You know, it's like...
2: Here's some of my reasoning. Is that if you ignore it completely, that he just goes along in his own little book and does his own little stories, but then you have him being a pinnacle character in a big storyline like Civil War, um, and the status quo gets changed completely, it needs to be shown in the other book. There needs to be some kind of repercussion Good or bad, you can always ignore it later, like the Spider-Man clone. Or uh, but I think that's the problem. I think
0: I think that's the problem that they keep running into, and they're always going to run into this problem, is because you're either going to have to not write stories where anything changes, and it always gets you know you always hit that reset button at the end of an arc because you got to leave it you know status quo or at some point you have to try and if you know every story ever written is going to have to you know be laden with continuity and and every writer is going to have to come in and research you know twenty five thirty forty fifty years of history to make sure they don't do something on it you know it's for me i pick up a comic and i read it and it's a story and i take it completely out of context with anything else unless it's a mini series or or you know it's that series or but even arc to arc it's like you know, I'm not paying attention to what happened five years ago in in some Captain America story. I could care less, unless it's relevant now to the story that I'm reading. Who cares? What difference does it make? It doesn't make it any more enjoyable for me. Write a good story, and and I'll read it, and I don't care if it's you know out of continuity or if it you know. I, I just don't understand that whole mentality.
2: I I'm just I there's no way for me to voice. It. I mean, I, I but my reasoning was was already said. I mean. I agree with you on your side. A good story is a good story. It doesn't need its continuity for certain titles. But if you're going to use painful characters like that, I think you need to show something. It, I'm not saying you need to do the Secret War two crossover type thing. But if, let's say, Cap kills someone, we're just going to ignore that in every other book?
0: No, I, I mean, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I guess if it's something that, you know, t- fundamentally ch- you know different to the character... You certainly have to...
1: Well, how about something much... But I, think much- we, but
0: I don't have a problem with that, but when we get mired in, in detail and in minutiae of every little tiny thing that, you know, we worry about it, that's when it sort of, to me, gets no, out I, of control. I agree.
2: I think you can be a little more vague on certain things, but the larger picture needs to be seen.
0: I mean I was talking to Chris about this earlier in the week. It was a perfect example is like the Ultimate Universe. You know, they restarted all these characters from scratch so that they could have a clean continuity. But you already have problems with continuity now because you have Ultimate, you know, in Ultimate um, or in the Ultimates season 2 y- you have the the government being overthrown and yet you don't see that in any other book. It's mm-hmm. a pretty big event that you don't see in Ultimate X Men or Ultimate Spider Man <laughs> or Ultimate or Fantastic. Maybe, maybe not yet.
2: Well, yeah. exactly.
0: Once again, you may get a mention of it, but you are not going to get it as a fully, you know, enveloped storyline. <laughs> but <laughs> <Or> but <laughs> would you? But, but I don't care because you know what? I like the Ultimates title. True. I like what's happening in Ultimate X Men. I like what's happening in Ultimate S- Spider Man. I don't care that they're supposed to be living next to each other. Whatever, they're different titles. Well, let's, let's move on from Captain America and our,
1: our debate that could go on forever. Uh, Wolverine, Punisher, both kind of kind of similar books, but uh, I love what's going on in Wolverine, but i will to focus on Punisher as uh, Nick Fury has made appearances in and shows that he can cross over from being in Avengers but then going over to a max title-like Punisher, and he's still the same character, but you see how much influence he has on that universe.
0: Well, Garthina should certainly write a uh, Nick Fury book, because his appearance in The Punisher was was some of the best Nick Fury stuff. He is writing one. Is he? Yeah, Fury. Uh, he is? Oh, great.
2: Because good. I didn't no know one that.
0: No, doesn't count. <laughs> that was such a letdown for me. <laughs> Oh, oh! You—that's right. You, uh, you did say that that was not very good. I haven't read. I that. did not like that, and I had such high expectations.
2: Well, you know, a German officer doesn't leave an American officer; He kills everybody else, but leaves him. It's like, yes, you are—you are an American officer. I will leave you here
1: alive. Go back and tell everyone that we are very strong and powerful. It's like, I'm sorry, that doesn't happen.
0: I didn't read it obviously because I wouldn't be clamoring for a Garth Nick Fury that already exists. It should it, sh- it should have been good. And it was, yeah.
1: Uh, you know we're running a little short on time because we have some emails to get to. to um, just say that Runaways is another great secondary title that Marvel's putting out, and uh, under the Icon imprint, Powers. I was talking to Sal just before the show about this powers it's as good now as it has ever been the current yes, story arc yes. is some of the best stuff that uh that
0: bendis is writing
2: right now i completely agree with you on that
0: still my favorite uh bendis book i, I that was the one sort of that started it all for me uh liking bendis and and still probably my favorite bendis book i'll uh, right. uh, also mention though uh daredevil is another title oh that we How should I forget Daredevil? Yeah, I mean Brubaker, Lark, and and it's only been two issues, but or one, one issue. issue. Yeah, one issue. But uh, but it looks like that's going to be as good, if not uh, better, better, than the Bendis Maliev stuff. And we've talked
1: about it before. Uh, Brubaker has taken over Uncanny X Men. It'll be the first time I buy Uncanny in about fifteen years.
0: Yeah, Ed uh, Ed has taken over everything. I mean, they they really it's funny cuz you know in 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 when he was writing for DC it's like he couldn't get you know he couldn't get a job you know writing much of anything and marvel you know snagged him and and put him on everything they can possibly manage and he seems to be uh shining bright. it's golden right now yeah
1: well, we do have a, a listener email from uh, one of our buddies on the forum, Brian Seals. He uh, says, uh, "Dear Chris Sal on the Round Comics panel, I enjoyed your talk about the DCU and Infinite Crisis, but I think Marvel has a crisis all its own. In the past, I didn't think there was a need for Marvel to deal with any problematic continuity issues." There was the Age of Apocalypse, 2099, and the what If stories. But for me, there wasn't too much confusion about what was or what's not a part of canon. Now, in addition to these, you have Heroes Reborn, M2, and the Ultimate Universes. Don't even ask me if the future stories in Guardians of the Galaxy count, because I have no idea. What I do know is that I can tell the difference between Ultimate Cap, the Heroes Reborn Cap, and the official Earth-616 Cap. But can a new reader? In an industry that's desperately trying to gain new readership, is even just the ultimate cap uh, too much? I think it is. Has a continuity crisis uh, developed in Marvel? Uh, And then he goes on and says, P.S. Tell Tom Caters, I said, Captain, cold blows. (laughs) So thank you for your email, Brad. I, I wanted to use that to segue in the Ultimate Universe, which, if you talk continuity, Marvel officially has two universes that they're that they're keeping uh, tied together. Uh, Mark, how do you like the Ultimate Universe as its own
2: uh, continuity? Um, I like the Ultimate Universe books, for the most part. They're... I mean... What Brian said about the uh, their continuity is already getting screwed up is is completely right because in Ultimate you've got that amazing storyline going on and then you read Peter part you know you read Ultimate Spider Man Peter still having you know girlfriend issues <laughs> so there's there's some continuity problems there but overall I think the books are pretty well done uh, with Kirkman writing Ultimate X Men right now those last couple of issues have been just great um, I do like Ultimate Spider Man for the most part except for the you know every three or four issues where he's just him sitting in his room chatting with either Mary Jane or whatever other character they've got him chatting with Um, Ultimate FF is the best FF I've ever had I I was was just getting to that one because I just started reading them monthly because I was reading them in trade format for the longest time and I started picking up when Greg Land came on and the whole two universes meeting uh, and boy that book is good right now I can't stop reading it. I, again, but it's I think it's Millar writing that also. Again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah and so uh, yeah, he's getting
0: I, to end I, that. Him, him I, and I, and I may right. want to
2: have his child soon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely uh, talented. He's he's got to be up there in my top five writers, certainly. Oh, I, I'm I'm thrilled to
1: death that he has taken over on uh, Civil War. That that is his baby. It's uh, if that is not good, I'm going to be really disappointed. <laughs> You'd be surprised if it I, think, I think he's going to do a great job. I, I love the Ultimate Universe. It's kind of what got me back into comics, and uh, kind of like they're using Nick Fury in the Six One Six Universe. Like Brian said earlier, that you know he is a center cog. He touches on each one of the books, and I, I think that you know the Ultimate Universe. If you're going to start a a new universe,
0: that is that is the way to do it. I think they've done a uh, uh, going back to that email, I will say that I think I agree that things are confusing for new readers. I had a, a friend that uh, uh, was starting to get into comics and started. He liked Spider-Man from the movies and wanted to buy some comics and had no clue uh, where to begin. He didn't know, you know, the difference between Ultimate Spider-Man and MK Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man. He didn't know if they were the same characters in the same world or what was going on.
2: There's a difference. Well. And then I mean, there's there is,
0: media. I guess, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, I mean, it, I think it is confusing to some degree, uh, if you haven't, you know, been involved in it for a while, if you're just getting into it, you know, just walking into a, a comic shop, uh, hopefully, you know, you can get some help there, but... Uh, I heard that Mark actually tries to intentionally confuse people. I'd probably believe that, I think mm-hmm. I've heard the same. <laughs> but. Funny. You know, once again, it goes back to, I think, the comic industry, and, you know, their their intentions are to sell as many comics today as they possibly can, not necessarily trying to find uh, new readers. And and the precedent, you know, is set that that they're trying to sell comics, not necessarily trying to sell them to new readers. They're trying to sell them to their existing fan base.
2: I think with the the Ultimate Universe, was kind of for that purpose to get new readers in starting new so they could pick it up and, and start reading you know right then uh, and with all the trades that come out you can literally catch up so quickly and fairly inexpensively that I think it was I mean that was their whole purpose I think with the Ultimate Universe was to get new readers they haven't done it since but
0: <laughs> well I think it was a failed experiment then in, yeah, that, cause in that regard it
2: caused the regular guys to buy more books
0: right or mm-hmm. people buying maybe p- people buying DC books to buy Marvel books, or people that hadn't bought Spider Man to buy Spider Man. But for someone that hadn't read comics ever, they didn't know anything about Ultimate, the Ultimate line, or or that it was coming out. I mean, there was no, you know, there was no presentation of that to the general public. Sure, that, that people would know that. So,
1: well, Mark, do you find that there are readers out there that? that stay away from the 616 Marvel books and they just read Ultimates?
2: Uh, I've actually got one guy who only buys the Ultimate books. But for the most part, they they usually, if they buy the Ultimate books, they're always buying the regular title also. You know, they buy Ultimate Spider-Man, they're buying Amazing Spider-Man and Marvel Knights Spider-Man. Okay. They just kind of buy everything. So you know, they have the,
1: one they have the, one story in ultimate ff where they kind of tease that the two universes were going to have a crossover do you want them to ever do that or do you want them to keep them completely separate
2: um it would probably be really interesting just from from you know a reading standpoint i mean it probably would be and i'm sure it would boost sales and you'd get you know you get just maybe people buying the darn books but do you really need it not necessarily And besides then, you really are getting to the point where if you start blending all the universes, you are going to have a crisis. There's going to be issues (laughs) with that, I think.
3: Listen to AroundComics.com. It's not just for 12-year-old boys. It's for 13-year-old boys, too.
0: Hey, uh, we also got a uh, listener uh, voicemail. Someone uh, from the forum left us a voicemail on this subject, so uh, why don't we listen to that now?
4: Hi guys, my name is Joe and I post as Justice on the forum. I'm a long time listener, six episodes. I think you guys are doing a great job. Um, I see your next show is about the current state of Marvel and I thought I'd send in my two cents because I've been a Marvel fan since the 1970s and I've read most of the core titles as a result of the release of the Essentials line. Now while I read DC and especially the Superman titles, I view myself only as a visitor to that universe. The Marvel Universe is my home, it's where my heart is, and that's why for the most part I stayed with Marvel through the 90s when it all hit the fan. And while I continue to be a big Marvel fan, I'm not sure I like the way their current universe is being managed. You see, in my mind, what makes the Marvel Universe great is its rich history and respect for continuity. In fact, in some ways it can be said that Marvel actually created the concept of continuity for the comic book. And I'm sure that'll be argued on the message board for years to come. But you see, Stan and Steve and Jack and Gene and Roy wanted a universe where their heroes knew each other. A real world where people had real problems and causes had effects and, more importantly, actions had consequences. For example, if Hawkeye broke his arm in Avengers, he would have a cast on during his guest spot in Amazing Spider-Man. And when the Human Torch switched to that hideous red suit that he wore through Strange Tales he had that same suit for his appearances in Fantastic Four. They had their own universe and this brave new world was dubbed the Marvel Universe. This Marvel Universe only grew through the 60's, 70's, 80's and 90's and Marvel's respect for continuity always was there. For this reason it's not surprising to find that Marvel is credited with the first company-wide crossovers. First there was Contest of Champions and later there was the first Secret Wars. Each of these stories took place in continuity. In fact, other companies were just trying to play catch-up. Some think that DC did their original crisis just to clean up their characters so that they could have a tighter continuity. However, lately there's been a change. A few years ago, Joe Casada announced what he referred to as a policy of loose continuity. Apparently, the logic behind this policy was to allow Marvel to woo famous TV and film writers, some of which who have never read a comic book to write their books without being bogged down by the past. Joe said he made a choice. He chose good stories over continuity. Unfortunately, he did not realize there was a third option. Good stories in continuity. Instead, Marvel went down the slippery slope of loose continuity. Unfortunately, they've been more steadily ignoring that continuity each year. Loose is rapidly becoming non-existent. Now, don't get me wrong, there are exceptions. For example, Brian Michael Bendis keeps a very tight continuity between his books. I guess you could call it the Bendisverse. And for a while, at least, there was at least editorial continuity. For example, the Avengers and the X-Men were also consistent. But that's actually been lacking. And even the editorial continuity seems to be gone among these books. Now, I'm sure I could come up with a hundred examples of Marvel's disrespect for continuity. But I won't, because I don't want to bore you, number one. And number two, I'm afraid I'm going to spoil something. You know, but Marvel has a problem with, say, how the Hulk acts from book to book, or even where he is, and also the current occupation of Nick Fury. But if you need an example, I'll point you to a really old Fantastic Four thing, and it's something that I don't think will spoil anything. A couple years ago, Fantastic Four appeared in their own book, where they were rich superheroes living in the Baxter building. However, at the same time, they appeared in Marvel Knights Four, and they were all poor. Apparently their accountant or something had stolen all their money and they were forced to take odd jobs. Sue became a teacher, Johnny became a fireman, Ben a construction worker. They were poor. Now, currently, apparently they've lost their money again. Well, three quarters of them are poor. Why do I say three quarters of them? Because it turns out that in the current storyline, Reed Richards put aside a large sum of money for Ben Grimm. He always had it. It's funny, they didn't remember that the last time all four of them lost the job. Maybe Ben wouldn't have had to work as a construction worker, or he could have bailed out his friends. But apparently they'd forgotten that they had done that story, or they just didn't care. Now, I merely gave that as an example. And I know people may disagree with me, and they may think I'm overreacting. And if you don't care about it as much as I do, then you're luckier than I, because it really, really bugged. Okay, now before you go and accuse me of Marvel bashing, I am first and foremost a Marvel Zombie. I stayed with Marvel through the New Universe, 2099, Marvel Scope, and even the resurgence of Millie the Model. I still buy far too many crappy X-Men titles in the hope that one of them will be able to recreate that Claremont burn magic, which ironically enough wasn't even recreated when Claremont and Byrne came back. I buy every crossover book because at one time these crossovers mattered. If somebody lost a leg in X-Force, you can bet they would be hopping in Excalibur. I would hate it if I picked up Excalibur and I didn't know why they were hopping. But if Marvel doesn't care, why should I? Why did I need to buy Spider-Man House of M, which greatly affected the life of Peter Parker, when they ignored the consequences in the other? Similarly, why should I buy Civil War or Decimation when the events are irrelevant? I wonder how many of these depowered or even dead mutants are going to show up next year in some random X characters miniseries, and you can bet they'll be at full strength. I think the fact that I care about the Marvel Universe and its denizen is what actually makes me more annoyed about this. The fans don't work for Marvel, yet for some reason it seems like we care about these characters more than they do. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not asking for super strict continuity, where everything that was ever written actually is the way it was written. I know Captain America's meeting with JFK really doesn't make sense, nor Iron Man's involvement in Vietnam, or even the fact that the Submariner had some strange electric eel power in the 60s. That just wouldn't work. These would hamstring the writers into writing characters who are at least 70 years old. I'm merely asking the company to respect the fans who have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars buying their books, and that actually bother to remember what happened years before. Hell, sometimes Marvel doesn't even remember what happened the month before. Is it really that difficult to get it right? If we, the fans, can pay attention to these things, why don't they? You know what? If Joe Cassada's is listening, I'll do it for free. He doesn't even need to count me on the books. Just give me a call before things come out and ask me if people are alive or dead or where they are. Okay, my rant is over. I'll end this on a high note. On the plus side, Marvel stories have been excellent recently. Brendis' Daredevil run was brilliant, and the follow-up looks just as good. Young Avengers and Runaways are good new books which feature new characters, which is something the industry needs to survive. In that vein, the Ultimate Universe and the Marvel Adventures have basically remade the classics for another generation and have actually translated into an Ultimates movie moreover marvel has some great stuff on the horizon civil war looks like it's going to be a good story and annihilation gives you more cosmic bang for your buck however despite all these good things on the horizon they should be careful because there is competition out there, and dc has retooled their universe to be more consistent actually more like the old marvel universe i believe identity crisis and infinite crisis are a direct benefit of this care and attention as a result They've actually outsold Marvel for the first time in years, based on the diamond numbers. This means I think Marvel should rethink their strategy. I'm not saying they shouldn't entice more readers. I'm just saying they should stop trying to expand their base at the expense of their longtime fans. Otherwise, many Marvel fans may end up saying, make mine DC. Well, those are my two cents. I guess what else can I say except Excelsior?
3: You're listening to Around Comics. It's like talking to your best friend's sister, and she's hot.
4: I want to do final thoughts
1: on Marvel? Sal, uh, why don't you give me your final thoughts on the you?
0: It's horrible. No, um, you know, I'm, I'm a Marvel fan. I, I have uh, always been a Marvel fan, um, and, you know, ups and downs, things they do right, things they do wrong, I think that ultimately it comes down to the characters I love the characters I you know I have always been fascinated with characters like Cap and Spider-Man and 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 the Fantastic Four and the Hulk and and Wolverine and and all these great characters and I think no matter what I I always will come back to them in some sense you know when it's good I'll buy it when it's not so good I won't and uh, but I'll always sort of be hanging around it Uh, I think that the last year hasn't been great. It hasn't been bad. There's been some some really good stuff um, and there's been some really you know kind of big mistakes I think too Um, but it's been fun generally and you know as far as as you know artists they have you know a huge house of artists now that are putting out some tremendous work and I think Civil War is, is getting me you know, much more interested, uh, in, in what's going on in the general universe, and, and I'm excited for that, Mark Millar, and, uh, and, you know, what Ed Brubaker's doing with the three titles he's going to be working on, I'm certainly excited about that, um, and the ultimate line, I've, I've always read that stuff, and, and, and will continue to, I, I think that's some of the best stuff they, they're doing, so, you know, overall, I, I, think, uh, you know, Marvel's doing what they're doing, and, and I like, a lot of it. I don't like all of it, but um, but I think they're heading in the right direction again.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree, and uh, so I won't go into a long dissertation on it. I, I will also mention that Marvel is putting a push to get their cosmic characters back with the whole Annihilation, and I'm looking forward to that. But I'm going to throw it over to Mark. Uh, what do you think of Marvel right now?
2: I I, I have been a Marvel guy my entire life. I grew up reading Marvel. I mean, um, I've told Chris I actually collect Captain America items, like statues, figures. I mean, everything from I've got kid socks that that grip on the bottom. I've got cups, cars. I mean, I'm a I'm a Cap fan. I'm a Marvel comics fan. Always have been. And they are getting back to where I think they need to be, but they've been I think they're abusing their their list. Their, I mean, their readers basically by. Being so late on so many books, some books not even showing up after the first issue, uh, or second or third. You know, uh, Spider-Man Black Cat was two a little over two years ago, and they finally finished it. Uh, acted like they're doing you a favor. Um, yeah, that out. is
0: that is certainly a problem I have. That you know, they they keep signing these big name writers and stuff, television writers, and then these guys can't get issues out. You know, on time. It's like, hey, there's plenty of writers out there. Get somebody that can that can get something out on time. Be
2: on exactly, time. exactly. Ultimate Iron Man. That one took forever. It seemed like. Mm-hmm. And I was briefly not even aware that it finished. Did it end? I saw the hardcover. <laughs> I, I got the hardcover. It says that it is one through five, but it felt like I, there was a sixth issue coming out. I <laughs> I got lost.
0: Yeah, I couldn't tell you either because I didn't. I don't think it had an ending. I so mean, that I kept waiting for the
2: sixth issue to come out. I don't know. Bullseye Target one issue came out never to be seen again. Uh, I mean, they're incredibly late with so many of their books and, and yet we sit there and we keep buying them. Secret War, perfect example, I mean, you know, I knew it would basically sell out even though it was six or eight months late and it did. We wait for them, we put up with it, we don't, teach them a lesson by not buying that book because it's six months late um, so I, I they seem to be doing a little better job they they're, seem to be trying to get it out but they still have so many books that they, they're they late on I mean like, Iron Man right now uh, Warren Ellis is writing it, you've got uh, uh, Grandoff doing the art, fantastic art I've never seen, you know, a better meld of computerized art and character I've never seen um, yet every issue has got to be two or three months late it feels like so Yeah, it's, it's
1: it, it works hard. like the, the continuity is actually pretty good. The product is pretty good. It's just their timing sucks.
2: Yeah, well, they're kind of is really a little... Uh, that whole Warren Ellis storyline actually should have been out before Iron, Iron Man uh, The Inevitable came out because it actually... It's that version of Iron Man. Uh, what happens to him in that Warren Ellis storyline is this Iron Man in, Inevitable. So they're, they're still having issues here and there. I'm sure they're trying. They do have fantastic art, great writers. I mean, some of the coolest product coming out right now. But it just seems like they just really need to concentrate on shipping dates and actually trying to meet them.
3: Listen to AroundComics.com podcast, new every Monday. For once, you won't be lying to your parents when you tell them you're not looking at porn.
1: These are your comic industry headlines for the week of March 6, 2006. Viper Comics announces ongoing Dead at Seventeen series. Top indie creator Josh Howard returns to Viper. The adventures of Nara Kill Day have come to a close, but danger still falls on the town of Darlington Hills. Things get kicked off with free comic book day this May as a new 10-page Dead at 17 story appears in the Viper Comics Presents anthology. The new series will debut in August and promises to introduce the world to a new cast of Darlington Hills residents. Viper Comics Presents is a free book available at comic shops everywhere on May 6th as part of the annual free comic book day event. In addition to the new Dead at 17 story, the anthology will contain excerpts from the upcoming Viper titles, Emily Edison, A Bit of Haywire, and A Dummy's Guide to Danger. Canadian comic book publisher Septagon Studios Inc. is seeking artwork from sequential artists and cover illustrators to work on their upcoming line of books. Septagon Studios Inc. will be accepting artwork sample submissions through their forums located at forums.septagonstudios.com. Visit AroundComics.com for more details. Gaiman and Avery to adapt Black Hole. If all goes according to plan, Neil Gaiman and Roger Avery, who collaborated on the screenplay for Robert Zemeckis' screen capture version of Beowulf, will be scripting an adaptation of Charles Byrne's graphic novel Black Hole for Paramount and director Alexander Aja. Gaiman virtually announced the project on his website in early February, and in a recent interview, Alexander Aja confirmed that he and Gaiman were writing the script and talked about the approach that the filmmakers were taking to the adaptation of Berndt's masterful saga of Teenage Despair. California Science Center to host Marvel Superheroes Exhibition. The California Science Center will host the world premiere of Marvel Superheroes Science Exhibition on March 26th. Marvel Superheroes, which runs through September 4th, will immerse visitors in electrifying sights, sounds, and sensations of the Marvel Universe while they explore how some of the most loved comic book heroes and villains bring science into their world. The Marvel Superhero Science Exhibition features over 9,000 square feet of interactive experiences developed, designed, and fabricated by Yellowbrick Holman Exhibition Incorporated in partnership with the Ontario Science Center. After its debut in Los Angeles, the Ontario Science Center will tour Marvel superheroes to other science centers and museums in North America. Infinite Crisis 5 gets second printing. As Infinite Crisis nears its stunning conclusion, DC Comics announces that the sold-out fifth issue is going back to press for a second printing. Infinite Crisis number 5 reprints the story by Jeff Johns, with art by Phil Jimenez, Jerry Ordway, Ivan Rice, Andy Lanning, and Art Thibert. The new printing features a pencils-only version of the issue's cover by George Perez. Yeah eBay auction to benefit the Center for Cartoon Studies. The Center for Cartoon Studies, the CCS, is auctioning a breakfast with three of the world's most celebrated cartoonists. The lucky winner will share an uncomfortably small booth with Ivan Brunetti, Seth Chris, and Chris Ware in White River Junction's storied Polka Diner. The cartoonist will also draw on the winner's sketchbook during breakfast. The winner will also receive a tour of the Center for Cartoon Studies. The auction is a fundraiser for the CCS Student Scholarship Fund. The three cartoonists will be visiting CCS for several days to work with students, lecture, and discuss the making of comics. The online auction begins on ebay.com Wednesday, March 22nd at 10 a.m. Gajun Studios announces new website and Studios, the Atlanta-based creative home of artist Cully Hammer of Blue Beetle and Down, Brian Stelfreeze of Matador and Gun Candy, and Carl Story of The American Way and Tom Strong, now has a spiffy new website for its 15th anniversary. and has long been a staple of the comic book industry. Now fans can go to www.gajunstudios.com to find out more about the studio, read latest studio news, and check out an extra-large gallery these have been your top headlines for the week of march 6th for the full version of these and other stories go to aroundcomics.com your home for comic news reviews and opinions okay guys there's our uh, news headlines for the week uh not a, a real heavy week for news, but uh, I really did like the uh the news that Dead at seventeen is going to have a new ongoing series.
0: I just picked up that uh, the first uh digest on that. Um it's it's an interesting little read. Uh it's got elements of a lot of different things in it, sort of buffy ish and and different things, but um Cool art, and uh, you know, I think there's a, a certain niche for that uh, for that book. Uh, there's certainly a, a crowd, an audience for that.
1: Mark, is that a book that sells uh, pretty well at the, at the
2: store? Why, no. <laughs> Actually, it doesn't. Is, well, that, is that one that I you I'm sure it does by somebody. It, it's produced, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, it keeps having new. The last one I saw was dead at 17 the protectorate which was very buffy-ish um, all it was right. actually pretty good but it did not sell very
1: well moving on to the uh, the uh, asking for submissions from all those freelance artists out there might be a good idea to uh, check us out at around comics.com and you can uh, look into more on that story and that artwork uh, next story black hole being turned into a movie have either one of you guys read Black Hole why no uh,
0: no I have not
1: I, I have flipped through it I have not read it it's one of those uh, here whenever we talk to Phil Hester he said that was his favorite book and you can buy it uh, Amazon.com wherever it's a, a hardcover it's like twenty six, twenty seven bucks and everyone that I've talked to that has read it said it's amazing so that will be interesting uh they had also announced, what, a month ago that Torso was going to be adapted, and, uh, uh, Sal, who's going to be directing that?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I don't remember.
1: Uh, directed
0: 7. Oh, um...
1: Fincher?
0: Fe- yeah, Dave, uh, not David Fincher. Is it David Fincher?
1: I, I think it is.
0: Yeah, David so Fincher. Uh, another, he did Fight Club and... And uh, Seven and, uh, and all those interesting... Yeah, that's an interesting choice. I mean, I, I love his style of, of movies. I mean, I, I love Fight Club and Seven, but I'm not sure how he's going to... I mean, you know, Torso's a period piece. Um, more, you know, of a noir-ish kind of thing.
1: Well, that's and, what made me think of uh, of Torso whenever we were talking about Black Hole is because it's a very kind of light dark gritty, and I can actually see Fincher doing that
0: one. Yeah, I don't know. Black Hole, I I mean, you know, I I haven't read it, so I don't know much about it, so I don't know. I thought it was a
2: remake of the Disney movie. (laughs) (laughs) So I I, I had no idea. (laughs)
0: I've heard it's good, but I don't know. I have two kids, so I don't know if I need any more teen angst.
1: It, it's very angst. It's what, like uh, about teenagers that turn into monsters, but it's really more about their despair and angst. So, so you uh, may want to
2: read this, because it's in the future.
0: <laughs> Is it a <laughs> guide <laughs> for killing them when they...
2: That's yeah. true, when they turn. <laughs> it's
0: about 14, 13, 14, eh?
2: uh, uh, yeah, uh, Story. The Where's the axe, honey? <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. Uh, the Marvel exhibition that's uh, going to be debuting out in Los Angeles. This looks, uh, uh, for anyone in the Chicago area, I'm going to look into uh, if this is going to be at the Museum of Science and Industry, because that sounds like a perfect exhibit for them. Um, kind of neat that Marvel is going to have an exhibit with us.
0: Yeah, it sounds interesting. The science of uh, of superheroics, I guess, is what it's called, or superheroes. Yeah, I um, wonder
1: if uh, one, of the, one of the parts will be uh, walk in and they, they bite you with a radioactive spider.
0: That could be cool. I, I think you might have a lawsuit on your hands, but well, I know there was a book out. There. There's a there's a book out called "The Physics of Superheroes."
2: I, I have it right here. Actually. Oh,
0: there you go. So I haven't read that either, but I heard it's pretty entertaining. And, have you read it,
2: Mark? I, am, I just got it about two weeks ago, and I just I put it away and just found it today, so... I was cleaning out my office, so that's why it's sitting directly next to me. Uh, it, well, you it's know, we and that's why... Well,
1: I, it. I was going to say, we were talking about mar- uh, marketing in comics, and this seems like a perfect marketing uh, push by Marvel to, to do a big exhibition. I've seen them doing some other stuff. They've got the uh, Marvel superheroes Team of the Year, if you go onto uh, an Office Mac. And so it's just, it seems like a lot of interesting things that are reaching the everyday people.
0: Yeah, but the problem is they'll be selling, you know, plush toys and, and, you know, little lunch boxes with Spider-Man's face on it and not actually comic books at the gift shop in the museum. So I don't know marketing marketing yeah, efforts is go. one thing, but it's you know is it once again is it turning it into actual readers in any way? I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, only time will tell. Uh, in a crisis, second printing. I, I don't think that's really big news, but I did want to ask Mark. I, I keep seeing in like Wizard and whatnot that these uh, sketch variant second printings are actually more valuable than some of the first printings.
2: Uh, for certain books doesn't always happen. I mean, the, the biggest example of that was the. Okay, oh what is it? The Batman, Jim Lee, Jeff Lobster, or Benny, and uh, mm-hmm. Their uh, second printing. Uh, it wasn't actually the sketch cover, but it. Sometimes the second printing has just become. Or just more rare, that's all. It, it it's just. So many of the first one. Yeah. I'm
1: getting well, sorry I just had sorry. a big thunderclap behind me it's it's like apocalypse here hey Mark let me,
0: let me ask you a question um, sure, go for it. Uh, with with stuff like that with books that sell out or variant cover stuff does your shop have a, a policy as to like how long they keep that on the shelf before they you know they bag it and mark it up six months six months wow that's pretty because I've seen shops that I mean literally, the day after something has come out, it's you know it's marked up already because they know it's you know sold out at Diamond or it's already on eBay that kind of thing. So that's
2: it. It is if I have to buy from a secondary uh, distributor. So because the cost is usually a little higher. Um, a couple of books we've done that too. We uh, Batman Year One Hundred. Uh, the first mm-hmm. issue we're selling for ten bucks. And we are.
0: Geez, I got one I could sell you.
1: Yeah, but it's
2: not like that's a huge markup that came out it was what five bucks it was six ninety nine. Yeah. oh okay yeah, it's only a couple of bucks but just the point of making up the price difference uh, certain books it happens to quicker right but our average is six months
0: that's good that's a good policy
1: but once again oh, a way to go to Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles in the beautiful downtown or uh Penn Square location in Chicago there's a little One plug for thing. you, Mark. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to uh PCS auction on uh, eBay. It's, uh, I'll have to look at the story. Uh, I didn't know exactly where that was taking place. But kind of nice that uh, working on a benefit through an eBay auction.
2: It's cool. Who are those artists?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Indie guys. <laughs> those are, uh, those are all cartoonists. Right. Yeah very uh, popular. I don't know. I personally, I'm you know, the last thing I want to do is have a breakfast with those three guys because if their their work is any indication of of the type of people they are, it, it would be one of the most, you know, self-degrading just sort of narcissistic uh I bet you they loathing. You know, I mean, it just uh, I, no thanks. I you know, I don't want to <laughs> be involved. But but I think it's cool that they're that they're doing that anyway.
1: Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a good idea. Uh, the last uh, the last item we had on the news not not a huge story, but Agent Studios has relaunched their new website. I, I think uh, digging deeper into the story, the big thing is that it uh, portal into their forum, which it sounds like the forum is is quite the place on the internet.
0: Uh, I haven't checked that one out yet, but I'm sure I will. I
1: I, I like some of the titles that those artists work on. Yeah, you know, Tom Strong's a great book.
2: There we'll any the other artists on that one?
1: Oh, you're going to make that, me
2: laugh. Is that Brian Stelfreeze and Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I that will. good for our. Mm-hmm. I, I love the guy. I mean, he does. The Matador is a fantastic book. I know I pushed the hell out of that book, and he finally the last issue came out because I guess he broke his uh, drawing arm. So there was a slight delay. <laughs> That'll put a, uh, a cramp
1: in your drawing style. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Alright, uh, that'll take care of our wire-to-wire comic news. Uh, it's time for Top of the Stack. Top! Top! Of, top the, stack.
4: Top of, the, stack. of the Stack! The Stack! The Stack!
1: Stack! Alright, my top of the stack this week is Fell by Warren Ellis and Ben Templesmith. It is under the image imprint. And the cover price is actually one of the big selling points of it. It is $1.99. Uh, dollar off your regular comic issues. Uh, another uh, very interesting thing about uh, is that it's 22 pages with absolutely no advertisements. So from page 1 to page 22, you get no interruptions in the story. Uh, it really does help to dive into the feeling of this story. Uh, it is a very dark, very, um, it's hard to describe. If you've read anything that Ben Smith has done, he has a very, uh, very eerie feeling to his work, like 30 days a night. This isn't quite as abstract as that, but it is a very eerie feeling. It is a story about Detective Richard Fell, who is a police officer in a larger metropolitan area across the river from, uh, let me see,
0: what is the? Uh, s- I don't know that they've ever said what the city is that they're across from. He's in Snowtown, is the. He's Snowtown,
1: yes. Yeah, Snowtown comes to, and apparently something happens in the city that he is a detective in. Yes, the Snowtown, and he is what, one of three and a half detectives there.
0: Uh, he's got. Yeah, they have three and a half detectives. They-
1: it's uh, uh him, two other detectives and then uh, a, a detective that has no legs. But what I love about Fell is that each story is fairly self-contained. It is one single story of, of him trying to solve a crime in Snowtown. And there is kind of a, an overlapping story arc, trying to figure out who Detective Fell is, what happened to make him come into Snowtown and and so there is that history which you get little bits and pieces in each story but uh, overall it is just a uh, fun gritty kind of mystery noir but it's totally Warren Ellis and Ellis fan you're probably all this um, one of the fun things about the book are the way <laughs> in the back probably the best letter column in comics uh, all these very fun little anecdotes from Ellis, and uh, there's a like the online uh, community that talks about it. So,
0: so, my top of the stack.
2: And a good top of the stack it was.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm reading that uh, that book also by Ellis, by and it is a, a interesting concept that he's doing with this smaller format, smaller uh Price cover price. I know there's been some complaints from retailers that it, you know it takes up the same amount of space as other books, but it you know it, they're making less money on it. But as a consumer, uh, I don't care. So uh, I'm enjoying it, and and that's it.
2: I think it's a good thing.
0: Yeah, me too. It's
2: nice to have a, a lower price book for people. So is there, you just push it more. People will buy more copies of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what it, it seems like. That makes sense to me, but. There's been people complaining, I know that. Uh, my top of the stack this week um, is Ultimate Spider Man number 91 by Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley with John Dell as inker an and Justin Ponsor as the colorist. Um, you know, I picked this book uh, for two reasons. One, uh, you know, Bendis and Bagley have done ninety-one issues of Ultimate Spider-Man, and overall, uh, this series has been really good. Um, you know, there's been some arcs that you know had its down points, and and not every issue is fantastic, but. Uh, very solid 91 issues and in today's world of comics it's very rare that you get both an artist and writer to work for for that long on one character in one series so for that reason I wanted to sort of give uh, give some props to to those guys because I think because they're putting out something consistent they may get overlooked a little bit from from time and again Uh, secondly I wanted to to point out because I, I really did like this issue uh first firstly the, the the art I thought was fantastic. Um, I don't know if it's because they I think they recently switched from a bi-weekly schedule uh, uh to to a monthly schedule and so Bagley has some more time to work on the art but I just thought in this particular issue was some of the best uh work by him uh that I've seen and it was really fun to read and 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 a lot of the different things uh with the characters in it that he you know, the choices he made were, were interesting to see, and I just really like the artwork on it. Uh, but also I like the story a lot. Um, it, it, it sort of uh, set you up a little bit in the beginning, um, but didn't leave you uh, guessing too long, uh, which I liked with, uh, with the kind of new spider girl, is, you know, who's this new spider girl, uh, which um, we find out later is actually not a new spider girl, but Kitty Pride. Um, and and the whole relationship between Peter Parker and Kitty Pride just is, is something I really am enjoying reading um, because it's different and you know it's not the same old Peter and, and Mary Jane thing. It's it's this new di- you know uh, new sort of thing with two superhero teen superheroes dating and, and it's it's more interesting to me. Um, and it was just a good you know good fun book to read. I think kids can absolutely re- read it in in today's you know comics where there's so much stuff that isn't kid friendly this certainly is uh, but yet it's got serious enough issues. It deals with you know Peter Parker's issues as well as Spider- Spider-Man's issues it's got some danger action and action and jokes and everything. It's got a little bit of everything and it's just a good solid book that these guys put out every month and I don't know if they get enough credit for it so that is my pick.
2: I really I enjoy that it's issue. It's a great
0: myself, book. actually. I'm sorry. What uh, you guys kind of talked over? <laughs> what was that, Matt?
2: I really enjoyed that issue. I've been enjoying Ultimate Spider-Man these last few issues, and I I like the relationship between him and Kitty Pride. I think it's you're exactly right on target about the uh, that whole relationship. It's not Mary Jane. It's not the same old Gilmore Girls episode of Spider-Man. Um,
0: Don't be talking bad about the more girls. <laughs>
2: Nothing wrong with the show. My wife loves it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of women that love that show. Yeah, yeah, hey, including Chris. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you know, you want to look at it. It's 91 issues. That is
1: that is an amazingly long run on one book by one artist and, and one writer. So there's a lot of credit to has
0: to go out for them doing that.
2: And they were never bi weekly. They were just like it was like fourteen issues a year.
0: Oh, was that what it was?
2: Yeah, 14. it was a really odd schedule.
0: It felt like it was coming out every two weeks though. Yeah, it did seem like it for a while. It's it felt like it was I every think
2: at periods it may have actually, but it it's just it's a really odd schedule. It's the only Bendis book that shows up on time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was your pick this week, Mark?
2: Um, I actually picked uh, Batman Year One Hundred. Um, it's that new four-issue miniseries, well, prestige miniseries from uh, DC by uh, indie artist Paul Pope, who uh, created uh, THB. Uh, he's done the stories in Dark Horse Comics called you know, One Trick Ripoff. Uh, he did a solo issue for DC and a book called 100%. Um, he's a really interesting artist, and I like this story. It basically started off with uh, the story's based in the year 2039, 100 years after the original appearance of the first Batman, um, a federal agent was killed, uh, and this mysterious Batman character is the uh, is a suspect in it. Uh, the country itself is under, you know, martial rule. It's very you know George Orwellian um, kind of future. Everybody's kind of tagged, registered, all except for this one Batman person that they can't uh, tell who it is. Uh, the, the pig, the only pictures they have of him, you know, they're nighttime res pictures, but they're low res or blurred. It's kind of like looking at old pictures of Bigfoot back in the 70s. So, you know, he looks animalistic. They Nobody's quite sure if he's an animal, if he's a. a what he is. Nobody's quite sure. And it just. It doesn't give you a lot. It gives you enough to to kind of hook you. Uh, you know, very intriguing and, and makes me want to read the next issue. So, uh. I really enjoyed the very first issue. I've already told a lot of people about it. A lot of people have come in asking about it um, that don't normally buy comics in our store, so it seems to be kind of drawing people in, which is great. Um, but I really enjoyed the issue a lot. It was something different. Um, the art was definitely different, but it really worked for this book. Yeah, I'd have
1: to. I'd have
2: to
0: agree. I thought you know Pope did a great job of, you know not really retelling a story I mean you know this this story sort of been told already you know with Batman with Dark Knight mm-hmm. Returns and but he was able to add something else that it was interesting it was like well who is this Batman who is this Bruce Wayne is it someone else who is this what and it, it did make make it interesting and intriguing and I, yeah same same thing I, I want to read the next one I want to see what's what's going on with it well
1: there was a future tech field to it that constant have. And uh, Pope's going to have to send us, you know, uh, you know, free issues. It's the second time that Batman man uh, 100 has been on the top of the stack. So uh, it's, uh, I, I think it is an excellent book, and I'm, I'm looking forward to issue two. I, I hope that the rest of the series is as good as the first one, and if it is, then I think it's going to be the best.
2: Yeah, number, number two is actually coming out Wednesday.
1: Actually. Ah, something to look forward to. All right, well, that will do it for our top of the stack. Uh, I have a couple quick emails. Uh, we put out on the forum a, a <coughs> call for emails, and people responded en masse. I'm going to read a couple quick ones. Uh, first one is from Bob Breedle. I probably hey, just heard Bob's name, hey. but he uh, goes by JLA Fan on the forum. Uh, he says, great discussion on the DCU. I look forward to the Marvel show next week. Uh, one request um the indie spot some smaller stuff and not just course an image which I only marginally qualifies in my book i think of that as kind of a little tier big to an actual small press um i'll just say that our show next week is going to be focusing on indie and one of the discussions going to be on what exactly an indie book is. So Bob, uh, we, we are right there with you on that. Uh, he says uh, goes on and says, by the way, thanks to the recommendation of the manga Monster in episode 5. Bought it yesterday and read it last night. Loved it. 15-year-old son read it and was not too keen on it. I think he'll be sticking to Naruto and Death Note, but I'm a fan and will be picking up the subsequent issues for myself. Uh, then we got another email from our friend Bruce Rosenberger, who goes by Bruce R. on the forum. Uh, he says, uh, it's another Monster uh, uh, thank you. He says, I want to thank Matt for recommending Monster, the manga book. Uh, thank goodness. Finally, something aimed at an older audience. Bought it, devoured it. The best part is that I got on the program at the local chain bookstore. It's getting me some decent discounts every week. Picked up Long Halloween for 25%. I look forward to buying this week at 30%. Nice. Best, uh, uh, best regards, Bruce. And also check out my podcast at Com. And uh, I'd like to throw out a thank you to Bruce. Uh, he gave us uh, some uh, some great talk uh, <coughs> on his podcast, which is Comics Cast. We appreciate that. And Bruce will actually be our guest next week whenever we talk about Indy. So those are uh, my email readings and announcements. Uh, Sal, do you have anything for us before we wrap up today? Nope, that's it. All right. Well, Mark, thank you very much for joining us again. Uh, You'll see me on Wednesday, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on the show again very soon.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me again.
1: All right. And to all the listeners out there, Thank you for checking out Around Comics. Remember to check us out on the web at AroundComics.com. Uh, feel free to drop us a line at info at AroundComics.com or visit us on our forum, which is uh, uh, so pleasantly hosted by the Comic Geek Speak guys. You can find that at uh, either AroundComics.com, click on forum, or go to Comic Geek Speak and click on their forum button. So thank you and have a great week.
0: If you would like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com or visit the Contact Us section of our website. For that and the latest in comics news and opinions, go to www.aroundcomics.com. Music for this show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next week. With a panel will change, but our mission stays the same: bringing you the best in discussion, news, and reviews in and around comics.